What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. Trade deadline special extravaganza. We got a lot to talk about here. We're live here on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Greetings to everyone that's joining us live. Uh, there are a lot of folks who are not too happy right now, but we just had perhaps the most exciting trade deadline and trade deadline has history. So we're here to recap and break it all down. If you guys are joining us live, sound off in the comments. We'd love to answer any questions or hear your takes. We'll show them on the screen as long as you keep them family friendly and PG rated. And uh, we've got as well. Also, for those who are joining us, if you guys like what you hear today on today's show or you're checking us out in the podcast feed, make sure you subscribe to the Jack Vita show, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Uh, we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, etc. You see all that at the bottom of the screen here. And uh, busy week. We just did two episodes, a double episode on Tuesday with Andrew Stem. We talked MLB ballparks, and then we talked a lot leading up to this trade deadline, what we were anticipating might happen. Uh, and it, I'd say this trade deadline over-delivered. It was even better than that. And then in addition to that, we talked everything going on with college sports with Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC, what that means for the future of college sports. So uh, if you guys like what you hear today, please subscribe and follow along on social media. We're running our sports movie bracket on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's at Jack Vita show on all of those social media handles. Uh, vote every day. Have a lot of fun. We've got, we're almost done with uh, round one today. And then we'll be moving on to the next stage. We'll get into round two. So 64 movies will remain after this weekend. And uh, I will be back here for another podcast episode in a couple days with Albert Destrade, formerly of South Survivor South Pacific fame. He's a huge baseball guy. So we'll talk plenty more baseball. But let me welcome in who we have joining us today, as many of you can see. Ryan Packett, who's a lifelong Reds fan. He's a former baseball player in his own right. He's still oh, umpire. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he's, st he's still umpires. He's a big time umpire. So he knows, he knows the game uh, inside and out. And I was very pleased to meet up with him in Cincinnati last week. Gave him a shout out on the last episode of the podcast. Now that we've met in person, now he's coming on the show. I, I would consider him a friend. Welcome, Ryan. I would too. I'd also consider you a friend. So yeah, thanks for having me. It was, um, Pretty cool to meet you, for sure. Uh, it's it was funny fun. how that all worked out the way it did. Yeah, absolutely. That was that was a work of God for us to be there <laughs> at the same time. It was a really fun time. And I know that you also had listened to this show. So it was great to, great to connect. And now <laughs> this is what happens, guys. You listen to this show and you meet up with me in person. You get to come on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an inspiration for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ryan. So... Um, what are your thoughts? I guess we just we had such a wild trade deadline here over the last um, and we're getting going here. It's 430 Central Time. We'll probably have even more news trickling in mm -hmm. as we talk over the next hour. Plus, the big news, however, Chicago Cubs, Chicago Cubs have blown the whole thing up. Everybody they used to have as their little hashtag a couple of years ago is every hashtag everybody in. Now it's hashtag everybody out. Yeah, I I mean, it, it's going to be really weird playing against the Cubs and not having to pitch to Bryant and Rizzo and Baez. Um, 
it's gonna be nice, <laughs> but <laughs> it's uh, it's gonna be weird for a while for sure. Um, obviously, yeah. I think it was the right thing for the Cubs to do on expiring contracts as long as they could get um, returns uh, greater than a compensation pick for the qualifying offer. But I, I definitely think it was it had to happen for the future success of the Cubs. So. It needed to happen, so we're going to go through these trades one at a time, and we're going to try to catch you guys up on everything that happened, not just today, but over the past week. We're going to try to go through all these major deals, at least make note of them. We might not comment on all of them, but we want to catch you up on what you may have missed if you had to work today uh, and your job is not my job where you just get to watch this on TV all day and just tweet and write about it and then talk about it on a podcast. So, we're going to start here. This, uh, you know, and I got to tell you, Ryan, like morale is extremely low here in Chicago with the trades of Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, and Craig Kimbrell. I think, especially after the Kimbrell trade, look, a, a large percentage of this fan base is unhappy. They don't want to, they don't want to sell. They don't want to blow this thing up. They don't want the party to be over. As you mentioned, it needed to happen. The Kimbrell trade was a phenomenal return, in my opinion. The Cubs snag Nick Madrigal and Cody Hoyer. So they're getting two major league-ready young guys. Madrigal was the number four overall pick of the 2018 draft. That's a huge piece. That's a great chip to have. Uh, he's probably, and once that trade came in, I think, I think it kind of changed the way a lot of people were looking at it. It was like, okay, you know what? this is probably what needs to happen here. The Cubs can get a great return on some of these players. And I actually think they did for the most part, but then the Chris Bryant trade happens. And that was a, that was a gut punch. Uh, what are your thoughts, Ryan, on this return here for, um, I don't know. I, sorry. I like froze for a second or something. It's all good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the uh, Craig Kimbrell. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I, my f- computer froze or something. I don't know, whatever. You're good. Um, yeah, no. To get that for a closer, um, okay, that's pretty nuts. Um, you also, I mean, I guess the intention when you signed Craig Kimbrell, what was it, mid-2019 to that, I guess, three-plus-year deal or four-year deal or whatever, um, you know, you'd hope he'd you know, be a lockdown closer for the postseason. But – you're able to flip that into hopefully a future second baseman and another relief arm for that you're going to have team control of for another five six years. I know uh, Cody. Uh, how do you pronounce the last name? Hoyer. Hoyer. Um, Hoyer. He's a fireball pitcher for sure. Yeah, and then uh, Madrigal is a high contact guy. So I mean, you have someone to fill up a hole set by Baez in the middle of the. I mean, now you kind of have holes everywhere, but um. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, two long control guys just for a, you know, a reliever. Um, even though, you know, arguably the best closer in the game right now. That's pretty big. Yeah, the I think that that was. I think it's going to end up being a really good trade for both teams. But if you had told me at the start of the season that Craig Kimbrell was going to have the first half that he did, which no one thought would happen, like a lot of us thought he probably wouldn't even be the closer by this point. A lot, of th- a lot of people thought that contract was not tradable. To turn him into 
the number four pick in the draft three years ago who has a career batting average. He came up last year as a rookie. He's very cheap and controllable for many years to come, as you mentioned. We'll see where he, where uh, Magical ends up ranking defensively. He's kind of he's still developing as a defensive player, but he's got a lifetime average of three seventeen. The Cubs are going in an, an entirely opposite direction here because with Theo Epstein, they were so big on long ball or bust. A lot of high strikeout guys. Javi Baez embodies that, obviously, and he Javi could not get on base. He's got an OBP at 270. So they, well, the second this trade happened, it became clear, okay, they're definitely moving Javi. Like, that's going to happen. And then maybe 25 minutes later, they end up moving him to the Mets. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. But I think this uh, Kimbrel trade for the White Sox, I mean, this is, if you take a look at their bullpen, and I tweeted this out earlier, Ryan, their pitching options come postseason. I don't know if I don't know if there's a I don't think there's a pitching staff factoring in rotation and bullpen in the American League that I'd pick over the Sox. Especially when it comes to postseason where everything condenses and you're no longer going the five man rotation, you're going either three or four, and your bullpen um you're probably not going nine, eight or nine guys deep, but you are kind of stretching people out. You have two I mean, with Hendricks and Kimbrough, I mean, I guess Kimbrough gets the ball in the ninth inning, but, I, I mean, they're loaded. And for especially for a five-game series, because they've already got the division pretty much locked up. So in a five-game series, I mean, they got Lynn, G- Giolito, and um, – uh, da, 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 uh, well, there, You're looking at – I put this um, out earlier. So your rotation's probably Lance guy. Lynn. Lance Lynn, Carlos Rodon, Lucas Giolito, Dallas Keuchel, and then your bullpen. Yeah, Rodon, yeah. Pro- yeah, yeah. So then you slide Dylan Cease into the bullpen most likely with Michael Kopech, Garrett Crochet. You have three real young, versatile arms that you can stretch out for more than – they could each go three innings if you need them to. They can go three innings. They pick up Ryan Tapera, another really good reliever from the Cubs, with now two closers with Hendricks and Kimbrell. And let's not forget about Aaron Bummer. That guy's got some nasty stuff too. So I I love what the White Sox are doing here. I think it's great to see these teams putting the chips, just going all in, putting the chips on the table, going all in. Sox are doing that. I think they see their window here. They have an opportunity to go for it this year. And even if they don't get it this year, they'll still be set up. They didn't give up. While Madrigal such a nice piece, it's not like they need Madrigal to keep this window open because they're winning all these games right now with him on the DL. Mm-hmm. Now they have that flexibility to where, especially if you're someone that's not a big believer in um, the closer just pitching the ninth inning. Now, if you have a jam in the fourth or fifth inning, I would not be surprised at all to see either Kimbrel or Hendricks come in and clean that up in a postseason game. No, absolutely not. So, Great move there, and I think that was the trade that started to get some Cubs fans excited because, like, man, they're getting a nice return here. On the Baez trade, they trade Javi Baez and Trevor Williams, so the Mets get a starter, and they really needed – Baez can slide in for Lindor right now, and they need – when uh, Lindor is healthy, they have another bat in the lineup, which is huge for them. Trevor Williams, who's been – a good pitcher this year. I think he's been above average pitcher this year. Uh, to add him, their rotation needs help. 
Now, it's not like the Mets really did a whole lot other than this, I don't believe. I don't think they were super active this deadline, and we'll get more into NL East later down the road. But the Cubs get Pete Crow Armstrong in this deal, who's the Mets' number five prospect. He was a 19th overall pick in last year's draft. He's a 19-year-old outfielder from Harvard-Westlake, the same high school that produced Giolito, uh, Max Freed, and Jack Flaherty. Uh, this is another. I thought this was another great get for the Cubs in in these trades. Yeah, I think it's uh, exciting for sure to see where the Cubs could be going. Um, what do you think that you think this is like a this will all start to show its face in about three years? Do you think? Or I mean, even with guys like Madrigal and uh, Hewer, like I mean, you're going to see that soon. Obviously, they're not fully developed yet, but. I mean, you guys yeah. had a lot of pieces. I mean, and it- yeah, no, the Cubs. I mean, it's interesting because, as you mentioned, the Cubs got major league ready players, but they also got guys who are a long way off with the Rizzo trade yesterday. They got uh, Alexander Vizcaino from the Yankees and Kevin Alcantara. Um, so Alcantara is absolutely raking. He's an outfielder. Um, but he's a guy who's a, a long way off. Vizcaino's 24, I believe. He's a little older. But I think that's really interesting that you note that with the with the Cubs, a lot of these pieces, it's like it's different. You have major league ready players, and you got guys similar to what they got in the Darvish trade, where they're in low, they're in high A or rookie ball, and they're a long way off. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see what that means. But I think the bottom line is that the Cubs farm system. I was looking at it today; their top five prospects. Ed Howard, who was their uh, first-round pick last year, is barely hitting 200 in rookie ball. Um, and a number of their other top prospects, really, there's only one guy of their top five that's healthy and playing well right now. Their number's three and four, not strong. And so then once they got Alexander Vizcaino from the Yankees, he be, he went from being the number nine prospect in the Yankees system to number six prospect in the Cubs system. So this, as you mentioned, is all stuff that really needed to happen for the Cubs. The last real important move, I mean, they, they send Jake Marisnik to the Padres. Can't imagine there's a huge return on that one. As I mentioned, they traded Ryan Tapera. They're uh, one of their relievers to the Sox. Um, Zach Davies did not get traded, which surprised a lot of people. And then um, the big one, though, I think this is where I think the mentality and the attitude, if there was any goodwill the Cubs were gaining, once they traded Chris Bryant, they lost a lot of that, I think, because the Cubs ended up trading him for Caleb Killian, who is a number 30 prospect in the Giants system, and uh, Alexander, it's Alex uh, Camaro or uh, Carrero, something, Camario, something like that. And he's the, I think he's their number. Let me pull this up real quick. Uh, Alex Alexander Canario. He's their number nine prospect. The Giants were able to get Chris Bryant from the Cubs without giving up a top five prospect. And there was a beat reporter who earlier, like maybe a half hour earlier, he reported fake news saying that. Joey Bart was a part of this trade. Joey Bart, the number 17 prospect in all of baseball. So the Cubs fan base was like, holy smokes, this is a great return. And now you end up hearing mm-hmm. that you're not getting a top five guy. Now, obviously, these prospect rankings aren't 
are ultimately not that important because people value pieces differently. They see these guys differently. I looked at Killian's numbers. He's their number 30 prospect and he's pitching. He's got like a sub two ERA and a sub nine whip point nine whip in double a like that. That communicates to me that maybe he's better than their number 30 prospect. The, the rankings are uh, really, I, I don't want to say meaningless, but they don't tell the full story, obviously. On the surface level, however, this does not look like a good return for Chris Bryant. Yeah, um, I think everyone thought that Bryant would bring the best return um, in a solo deal. Obviously, if you package multiple pieces together and send them off, you're going to get more. I also saw the Joey Bart, um, I guess, leak that wasn't didn't end up being anything. And uh, I mean, I, I was like, wow, that's a lot because yeah, <laughs> people get um, a little, people will see the name Chris Bryant and they're like, wow, this is going to be a great return. And then you also have to remember though, you're only getting two months at Chris Bryant here. Other teams also know that you don't have much leverage when you have a guy who's going to be gone in two months anyway, or going to be a free agent in two months anyway. So as long as the Cubs can get something better than uh, what they would value or they think they'd get in the you know compensation pick in between the first and second round for that qualifying offer, I guess, I mean, I feel like you almost have to deal them. You don't really have a choice, but that, it's tough. I, I'm guessing, I mean, obviously they didn't think, they thought that was the best offer they got, and I know the Giants were the only team that won it. Chris Bryant. So yeah, maybe I mean, they're I seeing just, something in these prospects. On the surface level, it looks like the Baez return was better than the Bryant one. And I think that's the surprising thing because Bryant for the first third of the season was playing like the NL MVP, but then he dipped, he dropped off dramatically mm-hmm. and he has gotten hurt quite a bit. Now I will say, I don't, I would not rule out. I don't, if the Cubs are able to re-sign Chris Bryant this winter, I think that's a real possibility. Um, now I, I was thinking maybe the Cubs would ship him to the Rays because the Rays would have no shot of re-signing him. I do think they would like to re-sign Chris Bryant at the right price because, look, you gotta you got to have something for this fan base here because to go from something to nothing, which is what we have over the next couple months, Hey, to tell the truth, I'm not really complaining because I'm going to get some cheap tickets here over the next uh, over the next couple <laughs> couple of months here. I can get to Wrigley; it'll be a lot cheaper. Yeah, that's a first. Cheap tickets <laughs> to Wrigley. Uh, cheaper tickets. I, <laughs> I think Rizzo is the most likely to come back, wouldn't you? Maybe. I think it's really up to him. I think. I really think I don't think Javi's coming back. I think that no, was really, yeah. We had been hearing for the last two years is like, oh, it, it sounds like the Cubs are really going to bring back Javi and Anthony Rizzo. That's what we had heard, and that Brian's as good as gone. Now, I think the Cubs are still going to try to make a play to sign Chris Bryant. Now, is it a real play or is it like a John Lester, like oh, sayonara, see you later? Not, we're not really doing something here. Who knows? Whether Chris Bryant's on the, I do think Chris Bryant being on this team changes things quite a bit. Because if you have Chris Bryant, I mean he's a he's still relatively young. He's definitely he's the he's the best player out of this bunch. He's the guy that you want. He's younger. Rizzo, 
it's easier for Bryant to sit through a, a rebuild than it is for Rizzo at this point in Rizzo's career. So obviously you'd love to have one of them. You'd love to have both of them. I don't know what either of them really want. I do think if you give Chris Bryant, if you match any offer that Chris Bryant gets from another team, I think he'll come back to the Cubs unless he falls in love with the Bay. I just think that I there's, there's video of him yesterday kind of soaking it all in, thinking that this is his last moment as a Cub. It's a sad video if you're a Cubs fan, that's for sure. But um, I think he loves it here, and I do think Rizzo loves it here too. But I just think at age 32, I, I don't know if Rizzo's actually – I don't know what Rizzo wants. It comes down to what does he want. Um, but I will say, and I know a lot of people are kind of sounding off and saying that they should have let these guys get one final at bat or a defensive substitution yesterday to get one final moment in the game and neither of them played. I I don't think that that was ever an option because the front office doesn't want one of these guys to get injured and then you lose them. You can't get that trade done at all. So that was never realistic. However, I don't think, I will say this, I do not think Anthony Rizzo has taken his last at, at bat at Wrigley Field as a Cub because whether he comes back this winter or he comes back in four or five years when the team's good again and he's at the end of his career and he wants to retire a Cub, I, I just, I don't, I think he's going to come back at some point. I'll, I'll tell you that. I think it's very likely. For sure, um, and yeah, you you can't risk potential injury with for one final at bat. I know the odds are so slim, but just imagine if. I mean, it'd be uh, be a Cubs thing, you know, a Cubs <laughs> curse thing to happen. I guess, unfortunately, and uh, you guys would never hear the end of it if it happened. So, <laughs> so what do you think about? Well, I get we. So that's really everything from the Cubs' perspective. This is the start of a rebuild. And I know a lot of fans are not going to like to hear it, but it needs to happen. It's not, as I've been writing about and talked about earlier this week, you cannot, I do not believe this is, I don't think Tom Ricketts, Cubs owner, is responsible for this team falling apart. I believe that a lot of decisions and bad luck got him to this point and just natural regression that happens with a team. I mean, teams don't stay good for more than six years, typically. It just doesn't happen. And the last six years, seven years were a lot of fun for the fans here, but you, you got to move on. You got to start laying the groundwork for the next era. And that's what's happening here in Chicago. Let's talk about these moves for the other teams. You get Anthony Rizzo on the Yankees. The Yankees, by the way, they pick up Joey Gallo earlier in the week. So now they add, and they did a fun little segment on MLB Central today. They called it uh, Goodfellas with, uh, <laughs> with Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo, a couple Italian Bronx bombers coming to the picture, two left-handed bats with their short right field porch that they have there. I mean, I think the Yankees have enough power hitters, mm -hmm. but I mean, Cashman's putting all the chips in there. He, this is like, I, I could see this being a, a really a, a last stand kind of year for Brian Cashman. And uh, this is either going to be, uh, majestic or it's not it's not going to amount to anything but I, I do like those two I do like those two pieces with that team even though they already have a lot of power bats I don't know I think it's a it's a risky move for sure um I I still think the Yankees are on the outside looking in I think the yeah. only way they get in is that second wild card I think they're too far the Rays are too good 
I've been waiting all year for the Red Sox to come back to earth a little bit, but I don't think it's going to happen. They have a big gap between the Yankees and they got Chris Sale coming back soon. And the yeah. Red Sox made a couple, maybe some minor moves as well that make them booster their squad. But yeah, I, I really like the Rizzo move for the Yankees. Um, it's a low risk move. It's only a one year or for the rest of this year. So like a two month deal. Um, Rizzo is going to give the Yankees a lot of things that they don't have, which is someone with plate discipline, someone who's going to give long at bats, a clubhouse leader, someone who's not going to have a problem in the New York market. Uh, I don't think the media is going to bother him at all. The Joey Gallo move, I don't get as much. Um, the Yankees seem to have a lot yeah. of one-dimensional players, and I think Gallo's, <laughs> Gallo's just another all-or-nothing hitter. Defensively, he brings something that the Yankees don't have, but offensively, it just outside of him being left-handed, it just feels like another another Bronx bomber bat. And uh, I, I don't know. I maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I, I, I don't think that's that great of a fit. But I do love the Rizzo fit. Yeah, and the Yankees. I mean, really, they've also had problems with pitching for years. They never have like a true couple of frontline starters, at least past Garrett Cole. And Garrett Cole has not been pitching well, by the way, lately. Uh, they, I think, did the Yankees add a pitcher today? I feel like they did. Let me look in my notes here. No one noteworthy. I don't, I don't even. They were, they were in on somebody, and I think they didn't end up pulling the trigger. I can't remember. Maybe it was Davies. Maybe it was, uh, oh, John Weren't Lester in may have been one. Was? was that, did you hear that, by the way? Yeah, were they, I don't. Were they in on Jose Barreos? Uh, yes. Yeah, they were trying to make that happen, and uh, Barreos ends up going over to the Blue Jays. Blue Jays had a real active day, by the way. They got Barreos, and they – let's see. I'm pulling these up. There's so many moves. So they, Okay, they sent Austin Martin, Simeon Woods, Richardson, both those guys. I thought Simeon Woods, Richardson was two different people as I was reading this trade. Um, <laughs> but those two guys for Jose Barrios. And then they had, uh, they also picked up Brad hand as well today. Mm -hmm. It's a good move. Um, blue Jays again, like the Yankees, I don't know if they'll make it this year, but I would, I like how, um, like a move like Barrios where you're picking up someone who's going to be there for next year too. That's, that's huge to get a, get a guy like that. You got to think big picture for them. They're not far out from competing and they're in division. They would maybe even be, it might be the year to go for it, but uh, they get, they're laying the groundwork and uh, they're, they're going to be good for a long time. Yeah. And uh, so they end up sending catcher Riley Adams over to the nationals. The nationals ended up being, with the Cubs, probably the, and the Twins as well, because they trade Barrios. In terms of like the biggest sellers at this deadline, I guess the Indians sent Cesar Hernandez over to uh, the White Sox. So they filled it. They got a replacement for Madrigal, and they also sent Eddie Rosario to uh, Atlanta for Pablo Sandoval. Um, but for the most part, I mean, it seems like the biggest sellers here are the teams that are like the fringe contender postseason teams that came in looking like like these aren't awful teams is what I'm trying to say. And so my point is MLB has been talking about expanding the mm -hmm. postseason and they say like, well, it'll be great because it'll increase more teams will go for it and it'll be 
like they want more teams to be competing, but I actually don't agree because what ended up happening, these seller, these teams selling here would not have been selling. And then as a result, you would not have had all this action here at the top of these teams being so aggressive and going and getting by as Bryant Rizzo, um, Schwarber, uh, Trey Turner, Max Scherzer, another one that we haven't even gotten to. I think that playoff expansion is going to end up devaluing the regular season. And then there's less incentive for these teams, such as the Giants, such as the Dodgers, such as the Padres. They're just trying to one-up each other because there's an importance to winning the division now. And that won't be there if they expand the playoff field. Yeah, if they expanded it, I mean, the Cubs would be – uh, they're the 10th best record in the National League. They'd only be two games out right now yeah. of a playoff spot. And uh, everyone knows, you know, the MLB playoffs are a lot different than other major sports. You, really, any once you, if you get there, you have a shot. So, And I, I think they would have probably tried to go for it, um, which probably wouldn't have been the right move. I mean, you never know. Maybe you guys would have made a run, but... I guess that's a parallel universe we won't see. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I I hate the eight team play. I I, I get why they had to do yeah. it last year, but I'm not a fan of that at all. There's no point in playing 162 games. Almost everyone's going to make the playoffs. So the argument that they make is that the teams, such as the Cubs here, would be going for it. And I hear that argument, but then as a result, you also wouldn't have anything out there on the trade market because no one would have traded anything. <laughs> there was nothing coming from the bottom of the league. These were all the teams that are like the fringe, uh, somewhere in between being a playoff contender and being horrible. They weren't, they're not horrible teams. They're just teams that aren't very good and didn't live up to expectations this year. So they're the teams that are selling. And I think as a result of having those sellers, they're valuable for the teams at the top to be the true contenders to go all in. Yeah, I mean, the Na- like the Nationals and the Cubs are both expected to at least contend somewhat this year. Um, really, other than like some minor moves, I mean, the Pirates, Twins, and Rangers are the only like bottom-dweller teams that really sold people off. I mean, the Diamondbacks didn't, other than Escobar, and I mean, I guess they don't have much to move anyway, but I mean, the Rockies held on to Trevor Story, which is, and John Gray and Herman Marquez. I mean, I bet no one thought Trevor Story would still be on the Rockies right now back whenever the <laughs> Auto trade happened. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's um, like even the Twins, the Twins were a seller, but the Twins were supposed to be good this year. They're selling because they anticipated being good and they were not good. So you aren't seeing like these teams at the bottom aren't entirely, I mean, the Cubs are blowing up to get to the bottom. The pirates did sell Adam Frazier, but I mean, like I just don't see what the problem they have with these teams, not because they're not trying to actively lose games. The strategy is to, is as a result of building up your farm system is you end up not having a great major league club, but it's not like in the NFL or the NBA where they're actually trying to lose those games so that they can get a higher draft pick. Now, obviously, there's probably some of that in Major League Baseball, but that's not the that's not the motivation. It, the motivation is to build up the farm system. Yeah. 
Which is good. It's good that we don't have people throwing games. It's <laughs> the worst thing that we can have happening in pro sports. So I'm glad you mentioned the Escobar trade. Uh, that happened earlier in the week. The Brewers pick up Eduardo Escobar for Cooper Hummel and Alberto Ciprian, a couple of prospects for Arizona. Uh, were you surprised that Cattell Marte didn't end up getting moved or any of their other real nice trade chips, I guess? Yeah, for sure. Because they're uh, they're not in the Diamondbacks are not in any window to compete anytime soon, in my opinion, at all. I thought they would even maybe try to get rid of Bumgarner too. I guess I get why they didn't because he's having a bad year, and he I, I know they'd have to eat some of that contract, so maybe they're thinking they can build him up, get him maybe if he has a strong second half, they can deal him in the off season. I doubt he's gonna even want to be there if they're going <laughs> into this rebuild. Um, but yeah, they're not, to, I don't know if anyone wants stuff. that contract to tell the truth. No, I, they're going to have to eat some of it for sure. Or it would have to be a, they'd have to really, um, give away some other pieces. Like it would just have to be a salary dump or they would even have to give away some other pieces and not get much back. Yeah. So another trade I'm going to, we're, we're going to run through all these trades. We're going to give you guys an update of everything that happened over the past week. So Here's a trade. I know you were pretty fascinated by this trade early in the week because I remember you sent me a text about this one when it <laughs> happened. Uh, tell me about this Kendall Graveman trade where they the uh, Mariners sent Kendall Graveman, Rafael Montero to uh, a couple of relievers over to help their division rival, the Houston Astros. Uh, and they receive Abraham Toro and Joe Smith. And then what does Abraham Toro do five hours later? Yeah, he, uh, he hits a ninth inning home run to cut cut a four run deficit into two against Ryan Presley. Who, if uh, Craig Kimbrell wasn't doing what he was doing, might be the uh, best closer in baseball right now. So, <laughs> I mean, just the the whole deal was wild to me because interdivision trading is very rare and odd to begin with. But when you have a team that's in wild card contention in the Mariners and that arguably have a shot at the division still, giving their best bullpen arm to the team in first place in their own division, that's really weird. That, <laughs> that's a new one. I haven't seen anything like that in a while, unless you can remind me of something. Um, and then for it to... It, it, and I didn't even, I mean, like you said, they're playing each other when this happens too. So these players can literally walk up out of their dugouts, cross the foul line and go into the other one. It's just a very odd scenario. And then for, uh, I guess the baseball gods were in a high effect that night because they, uh, I mean, Toro hitting that home run and it's just a bizarre, fun scenario. <laughs> you like Toro as a prospect or as a young player, I should say. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I guess I get what the Mariners did because they, they ended up bringing in Diego Castillo. Um, I guess they were thinking sell high on Graveman. He's not going to. Yeah, he, Graveman's having a career year. Yeah, and if they're thinking he's not going to keep this up, that makes sense. Um, but I still, giving him to the Astros. I, I know Graveman also had like some, I, I guess he wasn't loved in the clubhouse because of some issues, but. The team also didn't seem too happy that they moved him either. They, 
they're probably more okay with it now, knowing that the team wasn't selling. Maybe it scared the players that like, whoa, what the heck are we doing here? But yeah, so I I reached out to our friend Mario Lanza. He's a big Mariners fan, and he he liked the trade, and he did mention, as you mentioned. Um, and we won't get into it, but Graveman was declining the vaccine. And I guess some other player, he was kind of persuading some other players to not get it. And hey, I don't, I'm not going to tell anyone if they should get it or should not get it. I think that's your life. You can do whatever you want. Um, it's a free country. And, uh, but I guess that may not have been something that the team wanted. I think they wanted the team to be vaccinated. Uh, for their own kind of COVID protocols and guidelines. So they ended up uh, moving him. It does. I, I think the reason I'm bringing this up is because I don't think he was disliked in the clubhouse. I think it was more of like a, a management type thing. It, they may have, there may have been some other, that could have, for all we know, that could have been issue one out of several. There could have been other issues that, you know, they weren't too happy about. He's, he seemed to be really popular with his teammates. I think I think he was well-liked in the clubhouse. So it was interesting because the Mariners are in this spot right now where, you know, they're only a couple games out of the wild-card spot. And, you know, Houston's having a good year, but it's not like Houston's running away with that division. You know, the A's are maybe four or five games back. It's an interesting situation. Um, as you mentioned, the – uh, Mariner. So, so Mario liked the trade. He likes Toro. He thinks it's a good get. And then he was really happy when they brought in Diego Castillo, which happened yesterday. And let me see if I can pull up. Let's see. Diego Castillo, that trade, uh, that one would be, they gave up JT Chargois and Austin. <laughs> oh, thank you. Say it again. Chargois, I believe. Okay. Yeah. And Austin Shenton. So, so you're familiar with JT? I I was not. Yeah, he was on. <laughs> he he was Literally. on um, uh, MLB The Show. Like he was one of my prospects back in like 2016 or something. That's the only reason <laughs> I do that. But uh, he did well for me there. <laughs> he's got a he's got a good 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 arm. So what do you think the Rays are doing moving Castillo? I wasn't expecting that. Um, did they did they bring in any other bullpen arms? I didn't see that. I, you know, the Rays are real interesting because I was thinking heading into this week, the Rays have been known to kind of sit on things and just let them let them play out. They typically their their trades are typically selling guys and never really buying. They haven't had many huge trades, and it's different because Oakland's gone. Oakland's a similar club. And Oakland in the past has gone all in on John Lester. They've gone in on guys. Jeff Samarja, they make those moves. And I was kind of thinking, I, and they don't have to do it this year because they're gonna they're still going to be good for the next few years. But I was wondering, I, I thought the Rays would maybe make one of those moves. Really, the only move was adding Nelson Cruz last week. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's all they really did. They were in on Brian, I was told earlier. Um, but that did not end up coming for to fruition obviously yeah if i'm an mlb uh, gm or someone working in the front office i would uh want second opinions on any deals the tampa bay rays proposed to me <laughs> because they have just been annihilating the trade market and there's been numerous times where people are like what are they doing and it's just turned out incredible for them 
Yeah. The only trade I can remember, like if you were, and it's, I don't remember. It's more that I was looking at recently. The only trade I fe- I can say off the top of my head that they lost was when they traded Jake Cronenworth. They didn't really end up getting anything great back in that one. Mm-hmm. But other than that, they win. They won like ninety five. They win like ninety eight percent of their trades. Yeah, they absolutely fleeced the Pirates three or four years ago with that Archer trade. <laughs> that was so bad. <laughs> Sent so, the Pirates into a tailspin. <laughs> so your Cincinnati Reds, they were relatively quiet this past mm-hmm. week, uh, and I think that's probably partly how they came out of the All Star break. It would have been so much more fun if they had taken a couple of those games against Milwaukee rather than being swept. Um, they did pick up some salary from the Yankees, so they were able to help the Yankees pick up <laughs> pick up Joey Gallo and uh, Anthony Rizzo. They pick up Luis Sessa and Justin Wilson. Anything to this trade, or is this just? I mean, what do you what do you think the Reds are doing here? Yeah, I didn't have Reds taking a salary dump from the Yankees on my bingo card. <laughs> so, but uh, no, I love the deal for us. We need bullpen help more than anyone. Um, we might have one or two guys that are legit major league bullpen arms before we made this deal, and that's partially because um, our four best bullpen arms were uh, are all in the DL right now or the IL now, um, and TJ Antone, Lucas Sims, Michael Lorenzen, who got activated today, and then Art Warren. Um, so that was big. We needed, we needed that help. And then we also got Michael Givens, too, from the Rockies, which I really like that move. Um, I don't care much about ERA from a bullpen guy. I care more about could you maintain a lead or came in with a deficit where you're able to not let the lead grow. But uh, Givens having a sub-3 RA – in Colorado's exciting. So um, I, I actually didn't notice the Gibbons trade. What'd they give up in that one? Uh, so we gave up our number 20 and 25 prospect. Um, but I guess the, these prospect rank, I don't know when they, if they update them again soon, but like they, on MLB.com, they haven't been updated since like the pre since like April, I guess. Yeah. Do you yeah, know? More I was about noticing that. that. <laughs> like how often they update them? I don't. I really don't. Okay. It seems like it really yeah, the number it seems tw- like a vacant field that they haven't touched in, in a long time. Yeah, so we gave up um, number 20 and number 25. Uh, number 20, who's Case Williams, we actually actually was drafted by the Rockies. We got him in an offseason trade last year for Jeff Hoffman. We gave up Robert Stevenson and um, – another minor leaguer and we got Jeff Hoffman and Case Williams or Case. Oh, great. MLB. They, uh, okay. Well, they updated the, uh, he's not on our prospect list anymore. So they updated that at least. <laughs> yeah. They updated, um, they haven't updated. Uh, yeah. We gave up rank. the 20th and 25. Okay. So they don't, they haven't updated where they rank. They've just been like, Oh, this guy's on this team now, but they haven't like changed the way that they assess these prospects. And that's I right. think, something that, that goes back to like these rankings don't matter that much because they change pretty frequently. Like the two guys the Cubs got in the Bryant trade could end up being top five prospects in the Cubs system a year from now, but that's not the case Mm -hmm. then. So anyway, um, another big trade that happened earlier in the week, this was Oakland's move to really go all in. And that's trading Jesus Lazardo, who came up 
last year with really high expectations and he struggled mightily in Oakland, but he was a phenomenal pitching prospect. He was a top 100 guy and he struggled again a lot. He struggled with control. He seems just kind of like he's in his head sometimes when I watch him pitch. They just sent him straight up to Miami, who's had a lot of success with developing pitching for Starling Marte. Could could Lazardo be the next story of one of these guys like Giolito or Tyler Glass now, uh, who changes scenery, new pitching coach, it finally clicks for him? I think it's likely. There we go. I was very surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, continue, continue. You hear me? Yes. Yeah. It's just a little delay. Okay. That's fine. All right. Sorry. Um, yeah, I couldn't believe that they gave up. <laughs> I thought that they would find another way to get that deal done if they wanted to. I'm really surprised that they gave, I guess, gave up on Luzardo. Um, I think it's a really good move for Miami. For sure. Yeah, I, and it was it was just a one-for-one one trade too, wasn't it? Yeah, that's the weird part about it. Yeah, that's that's really rare. <laughs> so uh, to mention, the, we mentioned the Gallo trade earlier. Uh, Glenn Otto, Ezekiel Duran, Josh Smith, and Trevor Hover. They The Rangers got four prospects, and Gallo was their guy. I mean, every Rangers fan loved Joey Gallo. So that... That's you know tough for the Rangers fans, but it's kind of what they got to do. Um, the Rangers also, they weren't done because today they sent Kyle Gibson and Ian Kennedy. They traded, uh, oh, and Hans Kroos, another one of their double uh, A prospects who's drafted the same round as the guy they got in return. They gave up quite a bit for Spencer Howard, um, another guy who was a, a Big arm, big time prospect. They're hoping that change of scenery benefits and works well for that guy uh, with the Phillies. He was with the Phillies last couple of years. He's had an ERA over five, struggled quite a bit. Maybe a change of scenery benefits him as well. Yeah, the Rangers had to cash in on um, Kyle Gibson while they had the chance. Um, really, anything they got for him could get for him was a plus just off of um, having him for one year. Um, and him almost, I mean, almost deserving the start for the all-star game. Uh, Joey Gallo. Yeah. I get, I mean, who doesn't love a guy who hits a hundred home runs before he hits a hundred singles? <laughs> um, he's a unique one for sure. And, uh, I mean, he can play, he can play all outfield positions. He can also play some infield corners if you need him to. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Rangers really aren't in a position to contend anytime soon. And, I mean, I guess there's always the option to bring him back in free agency in a year and a half if they want to. So the Indians send Cesar Hernandez to the White Sox for Connor Pilkington. And there was another trade that the Indians made. They traded, as I mentioned, Pablo. They get Pablo Sandoval for Eddie Rosario. Just kind of a weird straight up deal. Uh, Also, some unfortunate news. Terry Francona is going to be taking a leaf of absence from the team for some health issues. I got to see that Indians team on Sunday and they're just, I can't think of another team like the Indians. I can't remember a team in the past. Really. I just, there's no one I think of where you have such a good pitching staff that's being wasted on a triple a everyday lineup. Sorry. I'm freezing again. 
<laughs> yeah, but uh, weird situation with Indians, okay. right? Uh, yeah, the Indians have been really weird. Yeah, the Indians have had like a very top-heavy lineup for like five years now. The Indians, even the 2016 um, AL Championship team, they they even had a top-heavy lineup, and it, it's been like that really the for I mean the last seven eight years I feel like, and it's it's no different this year where they have a really strong like one through four, one through five, and then it just then it just drops off, and then it's like a yeah, it's like a almost like a triple A lineup after that, um, and they've they've had a really good pitching staff that they've kind of just haven't got it done with and uh I maybe they're the biggest disappointment of a team to not win the whole thing in the last five years. I mean, you'd think if you looked at who they had 2016 onward they'd make it back, but they hadn't even won a postseason series since. Yeah, it's just an inability to really like feel the whole team. It's just like, yeah, as you mentioned, pitching's been great. Lineup has not been good enough. They Really, um, so I think the team that I'm most interested in after today, I think the team that, aside from the Dodgers, which we'll get to, the Atlanta Braves, I really like what the Braves did. Mm-hmm. So the Braves made uh, a series of about four or five trades over the last couple weeks, including they picked up Jock Peterson a couple weeks ago. They picked up Jorge Soler right before the deadline. Um, they picked up Richard Rodriguez for, they sent Bryce Wilson over there to Pittsburgh. Bryce Wilson, of course, started a postseason game for them. So that's, uh, I think Bryce Wilson's a nice little player. Um, they sent Casey Kalich for Jorge Soler to Kansas City, and they entirely reworked and reshaped their outfield today. They picked up three new outfielders. They got um, uh, Adam Duvall comes back who they were unable to bring back. They send catcher Alex Jackson over the Marlins and Eddie Rosario uh, for Pablo Sandoval. I like what the Braves are doing here because it's been a year where the Braves have been knocking on the door of contention the whole season. They haven't been back at 500 since opening day. And every time they're so close. I saw the Braves fans all tweeting. They're like, Today's the day. We're getting back to 500 today. We got reinforcements on the way. Oscar Noah and Travis Darno are coming back over the next few days, I believe. So help is on the way for this team. Everything that could have gone wrong did in the first half, and they're still somehow only four games out of the NL West. And all you got to do, as you mentioned earlier, Ryan, these playoffs are just – and Major League Baseball playoffs are so fluky and weird that all you have to do is just get there, survive in advance. You win the NL East and you play the Brewers. You don't have to play anyone from the NL, NL West. NL West is going to cannibalize itself with this current wild card format and the top team probably having the best record out of that division, being in that division, and then – only one of those teams can get to the NL or NLCS. So all you got to do is win the East and then you play the Brewers, which I mean, the Brewers are a good team. I like the Brewers, but I mean, flip a coin, win that series and you got a puncher's chance at the Giants, Dodgers or Padres. So I really like the fact that the Braves are not packing it up, but at the same time, they didn't, 
make moves that would be detrimental to their future. They didn't give up anything that was so overly significant. They have such a good farm system. I like what the Braves did here today. I couldn't agree more. Um, I think that they they still have a really good shot at taking the division. And if they don't, you know, they have the next, they have a, at least a five-year window going forward. Like the, their future is very bright. So making minor moves where they didn't have to give up much, just take on a little salary, give up some not top 10 prospect guys or anything, I think was the right move for them for sure. And they did a good job at it. They made a lot of good minor moves just to strengthen up that bullpen, get some outfield pieces in the absence of Acuna, obviously. And um, I will say, I, I hope, I hope uh, the Reds give the Brewers a little bit of a run. <laughs> I can't they let can. that slide. <laughs> can, yeah. <laughs> I no, mean, we'll no, see. Yeah. The thing that's interesting is, I mean, my question to you is, do you think – like we both like what the Braves did, but do we think that the Mets or the Phillies did enough to really try to win that division? Because it's, it's so open right now. The Phillies have the easiest schedule of any team here in the second half of all the NL teams. They're basically playing a 75 win team every series on average. That's what this next two months are going to be for the Phillies. So why not? Well, you have a team right now. There's been, so much pressure on the Phillies. They're, I think they're the longest tenured team to miss the playoffs from the NL. Like no one's gone the longest without a playoff appearance other than the Phillies in the National League. So why aren't the Phillies putting all the chips in and trying to do this? I, I, that's, I think that's my question. Well, actually, DeGrom just uh, suffered a setback, and he won't be back until September. Oh, breaking so news. Big. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. <laughs> um, team that, hopeful for, for September return. And with you saying that, that's all the more reason for the Phillies to go for it. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people were talking about DeGrom as an MVP this year. And with everything that DeGrom gave them in the first half, they're still just barely above 500 with a small lead over these two other teams. So... Why aren't like, I I think the thing is I get why the Braves would be kind of like, all right, we're going to make these patch up moves. We're going to try to compete, but we're not going to mortgage the future because we got a bright future. I could see the Mets being like, well, we're without DeGrom. We don't know if Syndergaard's ever going to come back. We'll get Javi. That's a move. And we'll get Trevor Williams, but we don't have to be overly aggressive. Why aren't the Phillies They're there? They got Gibson. They got Kennedy. But other than that, they really were sitting ducks. Why, my question is, why Why are the Phillies not? Is there something I'm missing here? I don't I, – I think – I don't know. I'm trying to think of a counter-argument, and it, it's kind of difficult to. But I, I guess they're just thinking that they have a squad that's likely to win the East anyway, and they also don't want to mortgage their future because they also see the NL West as being – you know, ridiculously difficult to get through. But like you said, you only got to beat one of them because two of the three are going to eat themselves because they're probably going to be the wild card matchup. And then they got to play the winner of the division, which I think is a flaw in the uh, postseason format that MLB really <laughs> needs to reconsider. But I guess that's for another day. 
I mean, I think there's value to if you're one of these teams, whether it's the Phillies or the Reds or the Brewers, just to look at that kind of that goal as a smaller term goal of, all right, we can win our first division title in a long time. We can get back into the postseason. We can win our first playoff series in a long time. And if that's where the fun ends, we're bringing so much more excitement and passion back to this fan base that it's been lacking for a little while. And I think that I think there's great value to that, even though, yeah, the Phillies, they're probably not going to win the world series, but they can get to the NLCS getting the NLCS is something that can give you something to build towards moving forward. Completely. And uh, I, I don't see why they wouldn't make, even just more minor moves like the Braves did. They, they yeah. don't necessarily have to go out and make an absolute splash of a move, but I would have definitely expected them to do a little bit more for sure. Um, I, I did forget the Mets did bring in Rich Hill. I don't know that's right. how much that's going to matter. Cause he's also, I mean, whether he'll make even what's the over under on how many starts he'll make for them, like six. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd go over. I like Dick Mouth, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> I'm allowed to say that it's his name, Dick Mountain. Yeah, I, I, I didn't Dick say anything. Mountain. I just laughed. Yeah, it's I'm your just, show. I'm making that clear to the listeners that that wasn't yeah. uh, that wasn't a naughty term or anything like yeah. that. Um, the Cardinals are even out there adding stuff. So they picked up Jay Happ. Uh, they traded John Gant. Interesting move there. And Evan Sisk in that trade with the Twins. Uh, nice return on that. I like that for the Twins. And then they also traded and they picked up John Lester. Uh, Big John has an ERA over five, but it seems like he's still going to find a way to haunt the Cubs this, this fall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's just pure Cardinals um, starting pitching on absolute life support. Um, Cardinals are everyone's technically hurt. in it. Yeah, they're in it. They're in it. I mean, they're no more out of it than the Reds are. Yeah. They're almost, they're like two games behind us. And I think they're, if they had a healthy pitching staff, they're talented enough to make a run. So I think they just, they just went out and got some inning eaters. Um, but yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't think Happen Lester is going to be enough. No. <laughs> if, yeah. <laughs> So let me ask. I'm surprised this. they gave up Ant. I'm really surprised. I know, that. right? He, that's that's a big surprise to me. Let me ask you this though: with this NL East, that's just such a weird division. You have the uh, let's see. We have right now the Mets are in first place, and they have a three and a half game lead over the Phillies and a four game lead over the Braves. Which of these three teams are you taking over the next two months? I think I'm going to take the Phillies just because of their schedule. But if it wasn't for that, I I don't know. I'm not sold on the Mets. I would almost actually go with the Braves just based upon experience. I think I'm I, I actually I'm gonna, I'm going to go with the Braves. I think I might be so I'm somewhere between Phillies and Braves. I'm not in on the Mets. I think the lack um, of the Phillies yeah, especially with Degrom out. I mean, that's that's big. That's really big. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think the thing is with like these with uh, these teams, 
Oh man, we're we're having a little bit of a freezing session right here. A little freeze tag. But <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, um I think I think you're right because there's a I feel like the Braves could have these new guys come in. They win a couple games, they finally get above 500. They have some guys coming back and I could see them building a little momentum, a little something, which it's so weird because I would take, I feel like I'd take the Reds and the Cardinals over all three of these teams. Ryan, are you still here? We may have lost Ryan for a little bit here. He's probably going to cut in at some random point. I don't know. Uh, hopefully he's okay. <laughs> Let's see. Ryan. Uh oh. All right. So, nope, oh, we lost Ryan. That's okay. All right. So, we don't know when Ryan will come back or what. Um, I'll try to get him back in here in a second. But I think this uh, this trade deadline, I'm going to see if I can run through some of these trades that aren't as big um, that we may not have mentioned. So the Brewers are picking up Daniel Norris from the Tigers uh, for Reese Olsen. So another reliever to add to their uh, bullpen. Oh, we got Ryan back. Hey, Look at that. I just want to switch to my phone. <laughs> Yeah, maybe this will be better. This is way better. I can see you so much more clearly. Uh, There's damn. no freeze. Hey, it's fine, man. Don't worry. Should have should have uh, gone this route. But, uh, <laughs> next well, time, next the show time. must go on. Oh, there's going to be a next time. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> College <laughs> basketball season. But okay, so uh, I was just going to run through some of these other. Uh, some of these other trades, and then we can wrap things up pretty soon. But the the Red Sox pick up Kyle Schwarber. Um, so that's another that Schwarber is going to go crazy at Fenway with that short. I mean, it's a three hundred five wall in right field. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is so much better. What was that? No, I, I know. <laughs> I mean, better late than never, I suppose. But, uh, <laughs> um, where's Schwarber going to play defensively? There's some talk that he may play first base. Okay. I think he can do it. I don't, you know, that's a, that goes back to money ball. It's like, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. It's like <laughs> first base. It's not that hard. Tell him wall, tell him wash. It's incredibly, incredibly hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I think I honestly, I don't think first place, first base is overly complicated compared to other. I like, he probably, it's probably going to be easy for him to pick up first base and to pick up outfield after not playing outfield really at all. If he, you're a major league talent and you can play the outfield at a somewhat decent rate, or you can play, or if you can catch, yeah. you can play first base. Yeah, I agree. Um, the Padres pick up Daniel Hudson, another bullpen piece from Washington, but. We've teased it long enough. We got to <laughs> talk about the biggest trade of the week. And this is interesting because I was watching MLB Network a few days ago. Dan O'Dowd, he was tipped off. He had some information. He didn't tell us. He's like, I have a, he's like, I have a feeling, or he said, I think this is going to happen that the Dodgers are going to get Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. The Dodgers end up giving up their two best prospects and their whole system of, uh, just taking a look at the Dodgers lineup with Scherzer and then with Turner sliding in at second base, 
Chris Taylor's not going to play as much as he would. Uh, someone, so you know, you have a little bit team team chemistry stuff going on. But on paper, Seager and Turner as a double play combination, and then Turner and Mookie at the top of the order. I mean, this team is so dang good. It's almost unfair, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know who. Are the Dodgers bigger winners or the Padres bigger losers? Because it was reported that the Padres were going to snag Scherzer. Yeah, they they stole Scherzer from the uh, from from the Padres uh, the way that Chris Paul stole DeAndre Jordan from the Dallas Mavericks. That's true. I know you're a Mavericks guy, so yeah, pull yeah. that one out. Well, well, well done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one. That's a great question. I mean. If you look at in terms of trades, who who had the best deadline? If we were to rank the NL West teams, I'd say the Padres had the worst of the three. Well, I don't know. Um, I don't think anyone did bad. No, I just um, mean comparatively, though, because the worst thing is the fact that the Dodgers got those two guys and the Giants got Chris Bryant. Yeah, that's true. The the weird thing is like the Adam Fraser move I really like. The only thing is that's that wasn't their biggest need. Yeah, exactly. That's the that's the point. Yeah. Um I think it's a great move and it gives them so many wonderful opportunities. I mean, they can really police him anywhere in the infield and they can have a solid 1 through 8 lineup every night. But yeah, they 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 really need it. I think they needed that stud pitcher out for Mike Clevenger's out for the whole year, right? Yeah. And then what's the what's up with Lamette? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know what's up with Lamette. I don't know what's up with Mackenzie Gore. I thought Mackenzie Gore would be up by now and he'd be mm-hmm. throwing gas. And then the two guys that they really went out and everyone was so pumped that they got Darvish and Snell. I don't trust either of them. Uh, Darvish mm-hmm. over his last. 11 starts or so ever since they started, you know, the league started cracking down and, you know, there were some changes. He's had an ERA over five. Darvish uh-huh. has not been the same guy. And prior to that, there's a video of him pressing his finger into his glove and then gripping the ball. It was very visible that he was using something. Uh, so Darvish has not been the same guy recently. And I don't, I just didn't think he was going to pitch at that level as he was right out of the gate or last year. I mean, he's going to be 35 pretty soon. Like he's his birthday's in a week or two. Uh, but I just, I don't trust those guys. Snell, you know, he had that great start last year. Uh, and, you know, Kevin Cash has been maligned for that move. But in Kevin Cash's defense, Blake Snell typically doesn't pitch very deep into games. I mean, that's just, he doesn't give them a whole lot of innings. I mean, he's had an ERA over four this year. Joel Musgrove has probably been their best pitcher. No, I think he has been, for sure. And he's the the only one that I would classify as like an elite pitcher right now. And he doesn't even have any – has he ever made a – I don't think he has a postseason appearance. No, he would, he would not on the Pirates. Oh, he did on the Astros. He won a World Series. He was on the 17 oh. team. Okay. But did he, he was a He's a bullpen piece. He didn't pitch did he a whole lot. In? Yeah, he did. I think okay. he I think he did. Could be wrong. Okay. Yeah, I mean he so experience wise, you know, I guess if he has that, that's good, but he still hasn't made a postseason start. Um 
yeah, they they, uh, they they need it. They need it. A Scherzer would have really helped for sure. <laughs> um, and I, you know, there's they're not. Well, I was looking, you know, because I'm obviously hopeful. I'm trying not to talk about the Reds too much, uh, <laughs> but I was really hopeful that we could catch them. And I looked at their schedule, and like 17 of their next 20 games are against the Rockies, Diamondbacks, and Pirates. I was like, gosh, but uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess those those. Dodgers and Giants games have to be coming soon enough, and like they don't have a postseason spot 100% locked up right now. And did you? We didn't even mention Chris Paddock, did we? He hasn't. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah, he hasn't been all that good either. Yeah, uh, is his name uh, Russell Weathers or Ryan Weathers? Ryan Weathers. I I just think Russell Weathers because like <laughs> Russell Feathers. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> From Survivor. But yeah, Ryan Weathers, he's been good, but he also doesn't go very deep into games. So mm-hmm. uh, it's really fascinating because you can put your chips on the table and make these big, you know, ballsy moves. And then sometimes it doesn't work. I mean, they, they were, they have a really good team. The reason they have a really good team is because they have a really young, really good young core. Um, and Machado's been good, but like if you were to look at their acquisitions in terms of guys that they've paid a lot for, they were trying to move Eric Hosmer this deadline. It's not like they've been amazing on some of these big moves that they've that they've gone after. Yeah, one hundred percent. And chalk up the uh, Blake Snell trade is another trade that the Rays probably won that most yeah. people didn't think they would. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I think that they absolutely, um, I think they won that trade. They got Luis Patino, they got uh, Francisco Mejia, and there were a couple other pieces, mm-hmm. and they brought back Chris Archer for nothing after trading him at his peak value. It's what the Rays do. <laughs> so a couple other moves. Uh, Red Sox move Michael Chavis for uh, left-handed pitcher Austin Davis, and the Phillies end up with uh they they bring back freddie galvis for a little more infield depth dd has struggled at short this year um and they trade right-handed pitcher tyler birch um toronto gets joe kim soria who's somehow still pitching uh from the arizona diamondbacks and i think we've really i think those are all the trades really hansel robles going over the red sox from the twins uh, let's see. I'm trying to make sure we didn't miss anything. Uh, ooh, this is a good one. Oakland gets Josh Harrison and Jan Gomes for a few prospects. I like that. Yeah, those are... Um, Jan Gomes probably won't start the bulk of games behind the plate. Um, maybe he'll get some platoon starts against righties, and obviously it's always good to have a backup catcher that's a starting caliber guy. And then um, Josh Harrison, Swiss Army knife of a player. He can pretty much play any position. That's always very useful. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, again, it would have been nice to see the A's or another team where they went in for Marte. That was a big trade. But, I mean, can you imagine if the A's picked up Trevor Story? Like, that's, those are, I think it'd be kind of cool if we saw some of those moves on the AL side because we saw this big arms race with the NL West teams Mm -hmm. and we didn't see it in some places. In some places we did like the, these teams are going for it, but they're not putting all the chips in like, man, anytime I watch 
these three teams in the NL West from now on. Like I'm, I have MLB TV. Whenever those teams meet, that game's gonna be on in my house, in my room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's gonna be a photo finish, I think. Yeah. Between All right. The, did we? I think between did, the Dodgers and Giants. So. Oh, Dodgers got Danny Duffy as well. Okay. Good I fight. Think, I mean, good, good uh, back end guy for them for their rotation. Yeah, I think I think we covered every single trade, didn't we? Are there any we failed to mention? None of the big ones, I don't think. Um, what's your opinion on Story not moving? <sighs> you know, Dan O'Dowd was talking about that, and it's basically that that idea of whatever you're getting back has to be greater than your hope to re-sign the guy or to for the compensation pick. And that's where I wonder, that's kind of like what I wonder about this Chris Bryant thing. Um, I don't want to rush to a hot take on the Bryant thing because truthfully, I, I don't, I've never seen these prospects play. And I think it's really easy for us to kind of like judge trades prematurely when we don't know who these guys are. We haven't actually seen them play. We don't know what is truly going on. But I would say that with with Story, I mean, I think if the, the Rockies are able to re-sign him, maybe that's what they're that maybe they I, I guess that would be my my guess is they think they can re-sign him because they did move Arenado. So they have to have a little cap flexibility in order to do that. And they want to have somebody as a face of that team. Now, if he ends up walking and all they get is the arbitration that could be another case where they people would just look at the Rockies and say, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you don't want to trade a guy just for the sake of trading him. You yeah, want it to be right. worth it. The story hasn't had that good of a year and that definitely hurt them. But I can't, I can't imagine that some teams wouldn't have offered more than what you'd expect to get in a compensation pick round. It's just that's shocking to me. So they they really must think they're going to keep him. I I would think so. I mean, I would hope so. I still I still can't believe I have my note sheet here. I started making my notes before we went on, and I was writing out that the Cubs got Joey Bart, and I feel like such a sucker for believing that. This uh, these notes are <laughs> trash now. Yeah, they they were useless. It'll be okay. I ended up using CBS Sports this whole podcast. I was using their uh, okay. their trade roundup. So shout out to CBS Sports; they do a great job. Do you have a hot take as far as like what deal? Like maybe like as something that's contrarian to the public thought, or a smaller deal that you think will be big, or a bigger deal that you think won't be so big? Hmm, that's a great question. I th- I feel like you know. I think a lot of the Cubs fans think that I'm crazy because I think it, it's smart for them to rebuild. And I think it's not the owner's fault that the team isn't good enough. Um, so I would say, I guess I would look at those trades and I think the Javi trade was great. There are probably a lot of people who don't agree with that, but Javi's looking for a deal somewhere in the ballpark at 200 million. And he's not worth that. He's got 270 OBP leads the league in strikeouts. He's not worth that. So, you may as well trade them. And I think what the Cubs got back is better than that arbitration pick. Um, I, I guess a good, yeah, I, I think that would probably be the the main one. Cause I know most Cubs fans are upset over that. Uh, but 
yeah, I think a lot of these I'm kind of wait and see. But it's it's gonna be I'm really excited over these next these next couple months. It's should be a lot of fun. What do you think? Should be a fun finish for sure. I I actually don't think that the Nationals got that hosed on the uh, Trey Turner Max Scherzer trade. I think it's actually going to turn out well for them. Oh, I agree with you. Yeah. Okay, because I saw a lot of people really like, wow, that's all they got. And I'm like, I think they actually got a, you know, they got a guy that's, they got Kiebert Ruiz, who's almost MLB ready at catcher, who's going to be a stud, I think. And then they got Josiah Gray, who I think is going to be a, uh, maybe a three or four in the rotation. Um, Long term. And then they got some other lower end guys, but, um, and they were able to, I mean, they really needed to clear some money. That Corbin contract really hurts them. But yeah. No, I think you're right because it's two, it's two guys who probably are not going to be – Trey Turner was not – it sounded like they, they weren't going to resign him clearly because they traded him. Right. So they were ahead of the curve on making that trade happen. And then Scherzer, as you mentioned, is expiring contract. So I think that was a great move. I think the Cubs, it, it would have been hard to sell it to the fan base if they did that earlier, but that's what the Cubs probably should have done a year or two years ago. Then you would have gotten a nice big haul for these pieces rather than I, – I wouldn't call it pennies on the dime. I know some people are saying that. I don't think that's the case. Um, but, yeah, it is what it is, I guess. I, think, I do think that's a good trade for the Nationals. I think it's – the reason why people are probably reacting negatively to it is because they don't like the Dodgers, mm-hmm. and it makes the Dodgers better. And then also the fact that people like to judge trades based on – the now of like, oh, that guy's a great MLB player, so that'd be a good trade. Well, I know a lot of White Sox fans that thought it was a great trade when they got Jeff Samarja and they gave up Marcus Semien and Chris Bassett. And then several months later, or a year later, when they traded Fernando Tatis Jr. <laughs> yeah, to James Shields. Yeah, the book's going to be open on the lot, a lot of these deals for a couple of years, for sure. Yeah. So, all right. Well, Ryan, I think we're going to wrap things up for now. So thank you so much for joining me. Do you have anything else you wanted to add before we, uh, I'll give you a chance to throw, throw out any plugs you got, but before that, anything oh, I, else? Don't, I don't have any <laughs> plugs. Um, th- thanks though for having me. I had a lot of fun. Um, I wish I would have chose the phone <laughs> from the get, <laughs> but, uh, that might be an editing nightmare for you. So I apologize for that, but I had a lot of fun. So thanks for having me. (laughs) Oh, you're very welcome. Don't apologize. It was great having you here. I appreciate you coming on, uh, kind of doing this little impromptu. It was really fun. Um, a lot of fun. Enjoy these, doing these live shows. So yeah, we'll have to hopefully have you back during college basketball season. Um, all right guys. So that's our show for today. Uh, make sure you guys subscribe to the Jack Vita show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Vote in the movie bracket at Jack Vita show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I apologize to those who watched this live and we experienced the technical difficulties. If you hung around the whole time, I appreciate you hanging around and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I'll try to splice this thing up for the audio feed and it will uh, probably sound a little better for those who are listening in there. Um, I'll be back on Monday with Albert Estrade uh, talking plenty more baseball, probably more deadline stuff. So 
Until then, guys, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters. Wave goodbye, Ryan. <laughs>